Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 106, a podcast where we talk about anything and everything that's got anything to do with photography, videography, making photos, making videos, and well, and anything that's got anything to do with that. Now, we're back, episode 106, uh, and we're again, not in the same room. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Today, we're actually podcasting across countries. Well, so this is, this is a first, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? It, yeah, it's a first. I mean, it's actually a first that we're like recording ourselves on Zoom as well, which we don't normally do. But in this particular case, this was really the only answer. Yeah. Uh, because for a variety of reasons, I find myself in the south of Germany today. And <laughs> we can uh, go into the details of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, there are good reasons why, but uh, in my opinion, there is one reason why you're there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, what, yeah. what, what is that reason, Kay? <laughs> well, so I, I realized very late that my passport was about to run out. Um, in fact, I did a job last week in Amsterdam. Um, and in the run up to that, you know, when I was uh, checking in uh, for that flight, uh, I realized that my passport was only valid um, for a few more days. And so, um, and so, although actually, well, I mean, to be fair, I've been trying to get in touch with the German embassy um, for quite some time, and it's been it's been absolutely impossible to get through to anybody there. Um, and of course, you know, their reasons are Brexit and the pandemic. And I'm just thinking I probably sent most of the staff home or something. You know, I'm not sure whether anybody still lives there. <laughs> no idea. Um, but anyway, nobody's picking up the phone. Nobody's responding to uh, to emails there. So my only option was really to come to Germany. Uh, really at, you know, one minute to midnight <laughs> and, um, and, and get my passport renewed here, you know. Um, but what that means effectively is, uh, first of all, to jump through a whole ton of hoops, which is, uh, which is just mind boggling, uh, you know, in terms of the paperwork I have to get together and stuff like that. And, uh, but also as from tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be stateless for a little while until until I get my you know express passport, my emergency passport, basically. Yeah. Um, and also, what that means is I won't be able to, as from tomorrow, I won't be able to travel back um, to the UK until I have you know travel documents. <laughs> so so I'm, kind of, I'm trying to sort it out uh, right here, but I'm stuck at the moment. Yeah. So you are Tom Hanks in the terminal, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Does, yeah, that, yeah. does that make me Catherine Zeta Jones? Oh, my too. I mean, a hairstyle, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you've got the same accent, so I guess yes. <laughs> Isn't she Welsh? Ah, uh, no, she is Welsh. Mm. Yeah. I think she is, yeah. Yeah, I is can't she, do that. Is she still married to uh, Michael Douglas? Is that still happening? or? Yeah, well, a granddad, no, husband. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is, I believe, yeah. Yeah, you never know these days because, you know, uh, people get married and before you know it, they end up in court, you know, slamming each other. Like, have you been, have you been following the Johnny Depp thing? I've tried not to. It's just, she's just talking crap, isn't she? I think, um, as far as I can tell. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's really very difficult. I've, I've had it, I'll be honest, I had it on in the background, like radio, um, because I find... I actually love courtroom dramas. 
you know, like courtroom thrillers yeah. or whatever. Um, and I'm quite fascinated by the whole uh, kind of goings on in a in a courtroom. Although, of course, the reality is much different from the way it's normally depicted in Hollywood. But so it's <laughs> really, you know, but it's really interesting to actually see what it's actually like. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I sort of find it quite intriguing to follow, you know, uh, the attorney's strategies and, you know, and all, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, so I found it quite fascinating. My, my wife hates the fact that I'm watching it because, uh, you know, she just calls me a gossip, but, but actually you are a bit of a gossip. Oh, just only in that respect. I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I just, I, I don't know. It's, yeah, I find it quite fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I also find it quite fascinating that they're suing each other for these ridiculous amounts of money. You know, he's right. suing her for $50 million. She's uh, suing him back for $100 million. It's like, whoa, okay. Yeah. That's just, you know, that is craziness. But um, so, yeah, so it's, uh, you know, it's it's quite interesting. You can't escape it either because, you know, you, you turn on YouTube and it's all over the place. And yeah, it's it just, is. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Well, you're going to have plenty of time to, uh, to keep following it while you're stateless. <laughs> yeah, well, and who knows how long this is going to go on for? Because it all depends on how long it's going to take for this passport to show up. What? Yeah. So, what is the um, like less than five second job you could have done to have prevented all of this happening, all this expense, all this time? <laughs> yeah. Time. What could you have done? <clears throat> so, my advice for anybody who finds themselves in a similar situation is to learn that one lesson, and that is you know, put your, put the expiry date of your passport in your calendar and plan like a year ahead, you know, um, put a reminder your... for one year in advance. Yeah, exactly. Six months in advance, five months, four months, cost nothing. To put a, those in. You see, I mean, we had this conversation, I think we mentioned it last week, you know, and for me, it's like, I would have never thought of doing that. I mean, I've never done it before. Um, and then of course I went, oh, who does that? And you went, uh, I do. <laughs> 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 And that just, you know, that just perfectly, perfectly shows, mm. you know, the, the, the basic differences. But again, as we've also mentioned, I mean, we've, we've sort of described, I think, we, you know, we've talked about the differences between the both of us, you know, several times, I think, on the podcast, you know, and, and that's actually one of the reasons why I, I, I think that we work together really rather well, because, you yeah. know, um, we, we just have slightly different viewpoints on the world and the universe and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and it seems to, um, you know, it's like, yin and yang, two, two halves make a whole sort of a thing. But, mm. uh, but also, of course, our respective ways of working and being sort of rub off on each other. You know, and in this respect, I have to say, I mean, yeah, the expiry dates for my passports and my children's passports are going in my calendar from now on. <laughs> Do you know the funny thing is, I guarantee that they haven't gone in yet. No, because... Um, <laughs> no, no, they haven't. <laughs> No, but, oh, you know, funny. but I, mean, I haven't got a new passport yet, so I haven't got anything to put in. But, you know, as far True. as car, like as far as my, my youngest daughter's passport is concerned, for example, I now know that her passport's running out of 2024 because I, you know, that was the original confusion. I thought my passport was running out of 2024, which turns out it <laughs> didn't. Um, but I'm now very aware um, that, uh, you know, that that's the case for her. So I'm going to have to, um, yeah. you know, in a timely fashion, do something about that, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that is the unfortunate reality of, um, 
of of just reality. <laughs> yeah, that's well, it. That's it. But you know, I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything I can to get all the paperwork together and get everything together that's required in order for me to, um, you know, to apply for an express passport. And it's, I mean, I think it's mind boggling the amount of crap you have to get hold of. Like for instance, just to give you an example. So today, by well, yesterday I traveled, uh, you know, I flew in from, from London to Cologne because I had to go to the, Ministry of Justice in Bonn, which is not far from Cologne, um, it's, it's the former, uh, I guess, the former capital of Germany before you know before the reunification before it went all back to Berlin. But in this case, the the Ministry of Justice is still in Bonn, so which is kind of lucky for me because I have relatives that live not too far from there, so I could crash, you know, on a couch basically. Um, but I had to basically go there in person to get like a a police check type of certificate. Um, that basically just uh, certifies that I haven't committed any crimes or murders or anything in Germany um, because I need that in order to apply for this express passport. But um, of course, it is a little bit like the internet hasn't been invented yet here. Um, you have to basically show up in person to um, to get that done. And so, uh, you know, that's what I had to do. I had to travel to Bonn, um, you know, beer. And I've literally, I think I've used every mode of transport other than a boat to get here, you know, cars, wow. planes, um, automobiles, taxis, the whole shebang. Um, and so armed with that and tons of other documents that I, uh, that I brought over from the UK, obviously, uh, I'm now in a position to go and speak to the local authorities tomorrow morning, first thing. And, um, and hopefully, get the process moving. And then I'm just going to have to hang tight because of course, not only do you have to uh, apply for a passport or an express passport in person, but you also have to pick it up in person. So I can't even fly back to the UK tomorrow. I have to literally hang tight until that thing comes through. Um, you know, they're saying it's three to five days. Let's hope that's true. In which case I'll be back by the weekend. But you know, if it takes any longer then I'm just going to have to, um, sit out until, oh, until, uh, you'll get in that at the end of next week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, people ask me, well, why didn't you get a British passport? And the truth is, you know, before Brexit, uh, and for those listeners who are listening from abroad, your Brexit was, Brexit was basically when the UK left the European union about two years ago now. Roughly, so like it's been going on for so long. I don't I know. know. So before, prior to Brexit, when the UK was still a part of the European Union, um, it really made no sense for me to have a British passport because actually it gave me no advantages, and uh, and it, only, it would have cost me a ton of money. So because you have to do like a citizenship uh, test course mm -hmm. thing, um, and so it would have cost uh, you know somewhere just you know short of like a thousand pounds basically yeah. um, for not for no advantage whatsoever um because of course as an eu citizen you can live anywhere in the eu and it just really doesn't make any difference um so so there was never a point and then of course uh, after brexit and this is i think i mean well i certainly i didn't realize that and i i think probably a lot of you know german citizens living in the uk probably didn't realize this either but basically um germany uh, 
isn't really very easy on dual citizenships. So um, you can only have a dual citizenship with another country that's in the EU. And what that would mean for me is basically if I were to take on British citizenship, I would have to relinquish my, my German passport. Uh, and I really don't want to do that. So that, because, you know, because my German passport basically gives me access to the EU. And it basically means that even if in the distant future, if I plan on retiring in sunny Italy or Spain, I can, you know, it's not a problem. I can just live there. Mm. Um, but if I, uh, you know, if I gave up my German passport, then I, then it would be severely restricted in that, res in that respect. And that's just, in my view, that's just not worth it, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm going to hang tight. And it's all right. We didn't want you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in retrospect, you know, in retrospect, yes, of course, in retrospect, and with the benefit of hindsight, yeah, I should have just bit the bullet, the bullet and, you know, got a British passport, you know, all those years ago. Um, but I didn't, you know, because at the time it didn't make sense. So, no. no. But, so we're always... We always know more after the fact, you know. And it's, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overthink it too much. Yeah. Just it is what it is. And it was the right decision at the time. I mean, that's that. You know? Exactly. You live and you learn. And, you know, my, my daughter uh, is lucky enough because she's got both passports uh, from birth. And so, you know, she's sorted. No problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, well, okay. might apply for a Canadian passport at some point. <laughs> Just do that. Well, if when you listen to next week's episode and it sounds similar to what it does like now, or you're watching it on YouTube and, and suddenly you see a Zoom call, guess where case still is. <laughs> Maybe in Canada uh, next week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I won't be able to travel there without a passport. Da -da -da. Uh, anyway. So, yeah, especially because if it sounds like this, because today, well, so because I had to travel, right, um, I had to pack really light because I not only did I have to fly over to Germany, but I also had to kind of jet around a lot to get all these different forms together and everything. And so I kind of thought, you know, I'll pack the bare minimum um, of what I need to take. And, and my, as my wife will attest to this, I'm not a light traveler by a long shot. If I can take... I mean, you, you have so much denim to take. I know, right? <laughs> like, I, you know, I'll take everything because in my head, I need wh whatever eventuality presents itself, I need to be equipped to deal with it. That means mm. all types of weather conditions. Uh, and it's going to be 30 degrees or something here in a couple of days. So, you know, I've definitely, and I didn't pack any shorts, I think. <laughs> well, so, you'll be purchasing some shorts. And only sure. black t-shirts, I think. So. You've got black t-shirts and you're going to go buy. <laughs> Buy yourself three pairs of denim shorts, tiny ones. Ooh, denim shorts actually is a good idea. <laughs> That's Mind not that. a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you know, in terms of actually, you know, now, but I also knew, of course, that we uh, we were going to have to do these Zoom calls and record episodes this way. Um, you know, I kind of thought, well, I need to pack really light, but I need to kind of make sure that we can at least get you know decent audio over. And so, luckily for us, um, Rode uh, recently sent us two of these amazing video mic go twos, which came in super handy now um, because it basically means, you know, I can plug this, um, this mic in. It's, it's super small, super light. It takes yeah. up no space and, you know, it wastes nothing. Um, and it vastly improves the audio that hopefully I'll be getting, you know, on this Zoom call. So, and since we're kind enough to send us two of those, I can see you're using one as well. 
I figured, why not? Well, I was going to do our regular set setup. Um, and then I thought, if you don't have to do all the setup, why the hell should I? <laughs> so I thought, no, I'll just go on, uh, go on Zoom and do it this way instead as well. Um, so then yeah. it just left me the question of, okay, what should I do for audio? And then I remember you mentioning that you, you've taken that with you. But well, 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 this is a prime opportunity to give it a go. What's, what's very cool about it is now I've used it on top of my R6 previously. Oh, yeah. Um, just using the uh, like the 3.5 millimeter jack and whatnot. Um, and went and straight into the camera that way, which is nice and easy, obviously. Um, and it sounded really good. Um, that was from. You know, um, I'll try and if I can get something there, I will, but probably not. Um, but at some point, we'll be able to see some of that footage and hear mm-hmm. the audio that I produced. Um, but that was maybe, you know, five feet away, something like that. And it still sounded yeah. decent. Um, but this is actually connected via, and you might be able to see this on camera just a little, via USB as yeah. well, um, straight into my MacBook and straight into Zoom. And that's what. Yeah, what, what what we're hearing now, both ends. I think the great thing about it is, you know, it it's it's not a powered mic, so it doesn't actually require any power mm. um, per se. So, or it doesn't require any battery, I should say. Um, and you know, what I found is I plugged it, it into it draws a, all this power from the unit that's you're plugging it into. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, when I plugged it into the the MacBook, I mean, the MacBook that I'm using here is super old. It's like a 2012 MacBook Pro or something like that. Um, you know, uh, it just recognized it right away. Absolutely no problem. You know, just plug it in. It was right in Zoom. So I loaded Zoom first and, um, this might be a Mac OS thing that you need to do, but, um, I couldn't get any audio from it. I couldn't even see it in Zoom. And, uh, let me see if I can even see it now. Oh, I can see it now. Okay, yeah. it took a little while for Zoom to recognize it. But oh, now really? it is okay. showing, but it wasn't at first. So what I actually uh, needed to do was go into system preferences, sound, and then change my input in there to the road, which it could see fine. And then within Zoom, you just used, uh, you get the option of system or something yeah. like that. And it just selects system. Did you, did you say you, um, you had Zoom open first before you plugged it in? Yeah. Okay, because I did the other way around. Um, so I plugged the mic in first and then opened yeah. Zoom. And actually, it was right, it was right there. Oh, that's um, interesting. I yeah, I didn't have to do any of that. So, you know, maybe that's the way you're going to do it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but either way, I had a quick, quick workaround. And I, even now, I've just, I'm looking as we're talking, and yeah. it is showing up as a separate mic um, in, in Zoom. Yeah. Um, you can also select it as your speaker output. <laughs> I wonder how that works. <laughs> I, I know how it works. It does work. Does it? Yeah. So I, I read this. I've not tried it, yeah. but the 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 three point five millimeter jack that's on the mic is in and out. Oh, okay. So if you select it as a speaker out, you can connect your headphones oh, to the yes. mic and Correct. use that to monitor through. It'll be direct monitoring, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a cool. I mean, why no one? Maybe other people have done that before, but mm-hmm. I, I, I've never used one that does that, and that's that's really handy. You know what is really interesting about this mic? This is uh, 
you know, um, I've, and I've really found this to be a massive, massive benefit is that, you know, it's a mic that you can use on top of your camera. Um, but at the mm -hmm. same time, you know, you can use, you can use it as a mic for zoom or FaceTime um, or anything like that, or even like record, you know, podcasts as a, as an, use as an audio mic, whatever. Um, and you know, you can, you can just use as a USB mic, essentially. You can also mm -hmm. connect to your phone and then with the, um, with the, the road, um, app, you can then change different parameters um, about the mic. So it doesn't have any switches on it. You can't change any settings unless you use the app. So for instance, if you were to record a podcast, let's say straight into your phone, which is, you know, which is very handy. I mean, really, you can then change a lot of the settings about the mic um, via the mm -hmm. software. And that makes it really quite, quite flexible because now you don't need um, an external recorder. If it's just, you know, if you're just doing a typical podcast where you're, where it's just one person talking, for example, you know, and that really means, you know, all you need is your phone and, you know, you've got a, a super small, super light, a really easy to use mic that you can literally take with you yeah. wherever. And that is, I mean, that is maximum flexibility. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, when it comes to that. it's really cracking. great because the whole thing, I mean, it's like, I'm just looking at the specs right now. It's it's 150 millimeters long. So that's 15 centimeters. That's about it's about that long, you know. Um, and it's uh, you know it's a typical thing. It's like a polar pattern. Um, I think when we tried it on the R7, six. Oh, R6. Sorry, when we tried it on the R6, um, I did we did we think like well, it sounded just as good as the original Video Mic Pro, even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. That we were monitoring it directly at the time when we said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. The shock mount's very cool in it too. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, 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 it is. You know, you can, not only can you obviously attach it to your um, your, your hot tree and whatnot, um, you can actually move the mic forward and back still on it yeah. too, can't you? Which is a nice little touch. Um, if, yeah, if you, you know what? Do you know what? That comes in really handy because I tried this on uh, my my Fuji X one hundred F, and just the fact that you have this little rail and you can move this, you know, forward and backwards a little bit, it actually means that now, purely from a sort of haptic point of view, um, it, it allows me to uh, to get to some of the buttons on the back more easily because I can move the the mic forward. Oh, there just you go. To touch. And it doesn't get into shot. Um, because actually the, the whole mic's so short that it doesn't really stick out massively in front of the lens. So, you know, there's never a danger of that happening. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. There's only one disadvantage I found. Go on. And this is really only a personal experience. And that's, that's the fact that it's um, the, the cold shoe mount um, on the mic has a three eighth of an inch um, thread on it. Yep. And I think that's great if you want to mount it onto like mic stands and whatever else. But I found that, you know, the little, the little, um, Manfrotto, um, little, you know, desktop table, whatever you call it, tripod that I use has a different, uh, different size, um, thread on that. So I had to oh, use right. an adapter or as I'm doing it at the moment, cause I'm in Germany and I forgot to take an adapter. Um, I'm actually mounting it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny <laughs> on my fuji so um so but you know it works um so that was like you know that was a bit of a surprise i'm like well i thought you know surely that 
it should have been a different norm. But anyway, you know, um, that's you know, the easy, easy workarounds. And you can get little uh, thread adapters, of course, for those things. Yeah, it's not a big deal, is it, really? Oh, it's um, not a big deal. The fact that it, uh, you know, that it connects to your, to your computer uh, via USB-C, super awesome. You know, the fact that you can uh, use it to direct monitor with headphones, um, with a mini jack, yeah. that's great. Now, um, I have to say, um, I'm, I'm slightly worried, but also confident <laughs> because this is the first time I've used it in this situation and we did no testing on this at all. We nope. drive straight in and we are a hoping for the best, but we're also very, very confident based on other use cases that we've, yeah. we've tried it in already yeah. that it's going to sound decent. You know, oh, yeah, is, it, is it going to sound as good as the mics we normally use on set? No, no, no I don't think it is. And it's not supposed to, they're, you know, 500 pounds mics and this is, a hundred pounds USB mic, but is it going to enhance this, the audio quality that you get from, let's say, a Zoom call or a FaceTime call or something? Um, you know, at, compared to the built-in mic in your there laptop, is, yes, it will. There is nothing worse than hearing someone talk on Zoom um, through the laptop microphone. Absolutely, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. And for the sake of a hundred quid and the versatility of this, there's not really any reason not to have one. I, don't, I mean, that's the other thing, right? It's, it's like, I think it's 99 quid. Yeah. Quid as in for those, <laughs> for, oh, yeah, for those people <laughs> across the phone, it's, you know, 99 uh, British pounds sterling. Um, so that's a really affordable mic. I mean, for what it is, you know, and we're in the, by the way, we're in no way um, sponsored by, uh, by road at all. They did send us no, just, no, just for no. just for clarification. They did send us two of those mics, um, you know, to test out and stuff. But you know, we'll be absolutely totally honest with you. We wouldn't be praising those as much um, as we do if we didn't really think they they're just they're just enormous, uh, you know, improvement on older models, but also just the versatility of it. You know, be, again, you know, being able to use it as a camera mic and uh, as a, you know. Um, Zoom mic, you know, a podcasting mic. It's great. Yeah, I mean, one one mic to rule them all. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, you know, and I'll be brutally honest about the sound quality when, when um, I've got it out of here and I'm processing it when I'm putting it yeah. together. You know, if there are issues with the sound quality, yeah, see, I, I will, I will say um, equally if it sounds great on, you know, yeah. raw. And of, course, and of course, I mean, the other thing is like, you know, over the next few weeks, um, you know, we can expect us to, to, you know, run this mic through its paces yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, test it in different situations. Again, what we're doing here today is we're just simply using it, um, you know, as a sort of a Zoom mic, if you want, um, and, you know, and really as a podcast mic, that's basically it. Yeah. Um, the other thing we've just got to remember with this, the sound for this is that, we are recording the sound through Zoom yeah. as well, which, as we know, does degrade the sound quite considerably compared to what yeah. the original um, sound was. But, you know, I knew that going into this before we sure. sort of started up. I knew that that's what would be happening. But I really wanted to hear it in kind of a, you know, mo 
99% of the people who are going to use this through Zoom are not going to be recording their audio separately as well. They're yeah. going to be recording it through Zoom. So exactly. I wanted to make sure um, I wanted to hear it in its, you know, main use, if you like. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and also, you know, just actually just talking about that, there's one thing, because we've, we've tried this before. Obviously, you know, we've had many, many, many guests on the show that we've recorded um, via Zoom. Um, and, you know, we've had uh, quite a few occasions where, you know, our guests did also record their audio separately at the same time. And then, you know, the idea was, okay, why don't you send us the audio file and then we sync it up, you know, in post. Um, and then we get, you know, a, a massively improved um, audio quality, you know, to um, yeah. in, in sync with the Zoom picture. But that didn't quite work out. Never syncs properly. No. Yeah, it never syncs properly. No. And so but you can, you can really hear the difference in audio quality. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's, I'm not, there is a high quality audio mode in Zoom, in Zoom, which I think I have turned on. But oh. <laughs> I've <laughs> pretty. But it's more. Um, I don't think it really affects your voices in in, in that way. No. Um, I, I can't really remember. Either way, yeah. we're using it in its um, yeah. Native habitat, if you like, yeah, yeah, as a yeah. USB mic. Exactly, exactly. So again, you know, we'll yeah. uh, we'll we'll put this mic through its paces uh, in different situations um, in the near future. So you know, if you're interested, you know, um, keep your eyes peeled and your ears uh, peeled, open, wherever. Yeah, it's peeled as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it just means you have to come back. <laughs> you know, come back yeah. listen to more yeah. more camera podcast. But that's that's not the only thing. The only techie thing. Um, that's happened this week uh, that I've come across that's actually provided us with vast improvements. Uh, actually, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, really? Uh, well, okay. So Premiere Pro, well, Adobe have oh. boosted Premiere Pro um, massively in terms of speed. Get this. I mean, this is really, uh, okay. So this is really interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about it. And then I want to uh, get your opinion as to whether you think that that a was a reason for you to switch from Premiere Pro originally, and and also whether uh, these sort of improvements may be a way to tempt you back. Okay, but let me just get right into it. And I'll tell you what what this is all about. So Go basically, Adobe have uh, come up with um, a massive speed enhancement for um, for Premiere Pro, both on Mac and PC. Um, I mean, this, I think the speed enhancement is a is a big thing, but there's there's a, there's five different you know um, enhancements or updates that they've that they've really uh, come up with. So I'll take you through it. So first of all, they've basically um, brought out a new hardware encoding support for macOS and um, for AMD CPUs, uh, you know, for for Windows machines. Um, what that means, get this, that rendering is now ten times faster. 10 times faster export time-wise um, for a 10-bit 420HEVC. Uh, 420? Yeah. What about 422? That's not what I'm saying. 420 is what I'm saying. Nevertheless, 10 times faster. Okay. Okay. So, um, and, you know, if you are running Premiere Pro and you're wondering how you how you could switch that on, because that's actually a function you have to switch on. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, why, I'll tell you why. Um, that's because that actually has to do with um, potentially the type of machine that you're using to render on and whether that's set to uh, whether that's set to hardware or software encoding. 
yeah or rendering right so you basically all you can do is go to the uh, encoding settings and if your system supports hardware encoding that's most do yeah which most do nowadays then you've got to set the profile level to main 10. so if you do that then it'll basically all of a sudden appear 10 times faster than it was before and i know this from you know the ancient days uh when i used to use premiere pro um, you know, before I switched to um, Final Cut Pro, which, and, and to be honest with you, the reason why I stuck with Final Cut Pro was because the rendering times were so much faster. That's, yeah. That is honestly one of the main reasons, because I remember back in the old days, I mean, this goes back a while, but, you know, I remember trying to render out, like, videos that were relatively short, you know, five, six-minute videos, and it took absolutely forever. Whilst with Final Cut, I mean, you literally... Because it, it so you know renders in the background or whatever, and the renderer is generally faster. Um, you know, you basically set the render. You know, you go for a leak, you come back, and it's done. There's no, you know, there's there's virtually no delay. Um, anyway, so now you can uh, you can enjoy ten times faster render time with Premiere Pro, which is awesome. But they've done a number of other things as well. They've basically so Adobe improved QuickTime screen recording. Um, and uh, they made smart rendering improvements to that as well. So they've basically tweaked uh, QuickTime things. What, basically, what it means is, you know, if you're doing some screen recording on QuickTime, um, what it means is, is that the when you then take the video and you put it on your um, Premiere Pro timeline, it now plays back smoother and it allows you to scrub better uh, when it's played in in Premiere Pro as well. So just obviously tweaked tweak that uh, which which is great because actually a lot of i think a lot of people who uh you know in particular make videos for youtube will include screen recordings as part of yeah. those videos especially yeah. if they're like tutorials or whatever um and i i mean i you know i'll be honest with you i found that with uh with quicktime recordings in the past and again whenever i've used quicktime recordings or screen recordings um in final cut i never used to have that problem so this you know um, it's just one of those things, one of those niggly things I always found in Premiere Pro. I always found weird. Mm. Um, and, you know, I always thought it was me. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't me. So, Adobe's fault. Bang. <laughs> um, they, they've made some other little um, tweaks. Like, for instance, now, um, uh, Premiere Pro will allow you to, uh, to uh, basically to export um, GIF transparency. And the reason they're doing that now is uh, because they just want to uh, make it easier for people to create content for social media. Right. Um, so because, yeah. you know, that's, that's the way the world's going. So, you know, the little, little thing there, um, I, I just, I don't understand why they didn't do that in the past. Cause it seems such a no brainer. I mean, uh, I create transparent gifts all the time, you know, for all sorts of different assets uh, and I do it in Photoshop. Um, and it just saves you having to do that in Photoshop if you can do it in, in Premiere Pro. Awesome. Um, and it's now also, it's, it's another thing. Um, and it's now possible to distribute objects evenly um, on the program monitor. Again, not sure why that wasn't possible before. Seems weird, but now you can. Um, and lastly, and this again um, might be helpful for you know, for those of you who, who obviously um, render a lot and maybe create proxy files um, when you're when you're editing, uh, Premiere Pro now 
allows you to create HDR proxies um, that mm -hmm. match the original visually whilst improving performance whilst editing. So just as a quick, super quick explanation, if you don't read it, if you don't know what proxies are. So, you know, when you're recording, let's say in, in 4K, for instance, um, it might be quite a draw on your machine um, if, if you're trying to basically edit everything using the original 4K file. So the preview that you see in your program monitor or in your, in your editing window, um, you know, what you can do is you can basically create proxy files that are lower in resolution and smaller in size. And it just means that your editing process is, you know, when you scrub forwards and backwards and you cut things, um, it's just easier on the machine, um, easier on the RAM, and, and uh, it makes the whole playback experience more, sm more smooth. And then when, you're, when you've done your edit and you're completely done with it, uh, you then render it out in full quality. And then, of course, the final project will be full quality. But, of course, in an ideal world, you know, if you could edit uh, and view stuff back in near enough full quality, that would obviously be a major advantage because especially when it comes to, to color grading and all the rest of it, it's just, you know, a massive advantage if you can actually see things um, in, you know, you know, what will be the final quality. Um, so it takes a little bit of the guesswork out of it, I guess. Um, and I'll, we'll talk about the whole, about that side. And that's an interesting experience I've had on recently, actually, in a conversation that I have with somebody. But, um, but yeah, so five improvements to Adobe, faster render time, uh, general quick time improvements, uh, transparent GIFs. Um, you can distribute objects um, evenly on the program monitor, and uh, you can create HDR proxies. What do you say? Um, uh, I think so. The GIS transparency, I don't use, I wouldn't, I'm not, it wouldn't, it doesn't fuss me, um, all that much. Um, the quick time screen recording, yeah, I get that, I get that. Um, I've not actually done that and used it within DaVinci. So I don't actually know how that performs. Right. Um, so that's, in that's interesting. I don't know. The smart rendering is already great. Um, I don't know if there's any benefit there. Now for the export, um, let me think. So it's only H H.265 that this works on. Yeah. No, uh, nothing else. So it's 10-bit 420. Yeah, H HEVC, -E that's mm -hmm. 265, um, which is fine because that's actually what I generally export at for uploads to YouTube. But it's, not, it's also not wide. I, I don't think it's yet widely accepted on all platforms. It might be now, but it's been a while since I've uploaded to anything other than YouTube, and that's mm -hmm. had it for ages. Um, it is... But client stuff, I export in H.264 because I know that they're going to be able to use it anywhere they want to. Oh. So I don't think that that's going to would help in that instance. Um, could I still export in 265 uh, to clients? Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Um, so that's interesting. That, that, that is interesting. I 
I wonder what it is that they've done that's given that kind of uplift. I think um, they've nicked. They've probably nicked some code from Final Cut. It's probably what I've done. <laughs> well, I should have been doing that a long time ago. Um, I wonder if, see, 10 times, it, well, I wonder if 10 times it's just brought it up to the speed of the rest. <laughs> it probably has. Do, yeah, you know I what I mean? I Do, know. You know what I'm saying? Um, but there were more issues with Premiere Pro than just export, um, export time, rendering and encoding. Hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very clunky to use. Um, nothing is particularly intuitive. It's color, um, coloring abilities is rubbish, um, in my opinion, uh, which wasn't great at all. You always okay. need third-party plugins for that. So let me just interject here. And so do you remember I said um, there's an interesting conversation I've had um, very recently. So, um, and I just... I'll just uh, clarify that a little bit. So I last week I went um, to shoot a job in Amsterdam and um, and uh, Kai Zamet, who was on this podcast uh, last year at some point, was on the same job. And so, you know, we're just chatting, da, da, da. And, uh, and he said, um, he said, I, I edit everything in Premiere Pro, but I do all the color grading in DaVinci. There you go. And I, th I thought that was a really, that was an interesting sort of workflow. Um, and I kind of thought I'd mention that to you because, because I know that's you're very interesting. The, no. the color work in DaVinci is just, uh, yeah. I've never worked on anything as good as that. Yeah. And as intuitive as that, uh, once you get over the, your understanding behind the principles in DaVinci as to how it works, um, it is superb, absolutely superb. Um, and I'm still scratching the surface of what it's actually capable of, of, of doing, right? And the colouring in Premiere Pro, as I say, has just been awful. It's just painful. Um, Final Cut is better uh, than Premiere for colouring, I think. It's inbuilt tools. But even that is not anywhere. They, neither, of them, neither of them cover anywhere close to DaVinci for colour. Um, but I'd... I'd uh, do I agree with Kai on editing within Premiere versus DaVinci at the minute? Maybe, maybe not. But then I've just got really used to editing in DaVinci now. Yeah. Um, it's and for what it's worth, in its simplest terms, DaVinci it just general editing in DaVinci feels like a hybrid between Premiere Pro and Final Cut. It feels like it's taken yeah. the best of both. Or it's tried to take and the best you, of and you can take you can take over the shortcuts that you're used to. If no matter mm -hmm. whether you're coming mm -hmm. from Premiere Pro or you're coming from Final Cut, you can basically set your preferences so that you use the yeah. same shortcuts. So you don't yeah. even have to relearn anything, which no. is you know was a great advantage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I thought I thought about getting into DaVinci just simply because I sort of feel maybe in the future this could make workflow things easier between the two of us yeah i think that's that's <clears throat> possibly true um the and the, the free version of davinci is unbelievable it, yeah. it's so full featured hmm. uh, um there are some crucial things within the paid version like certain file formats that it will accept certain export yeah. settings i believe and other little bits and pieces like that but if you're just using it for you know 
social media stuff just for argument's sake hmm. the free version's brilliant which which to be fair is you know the video editing i do is is 99.9 percent um yeah. social media focused yeah for sure and, and so if we were to c collaborate in that way through the same software and they've just they're just releasing the new um collaborative um cloud-based oh, yeah. stuff as well which is supposed to be very very good i've not downloaded the beta version for any of that yet mm. um i generally don't download betas um i will wait until the full version is out because of the um unlike premiere pro now this is a, a really good point for premiere pro is you can have every version of premiere pro installed yeah on your computer at one time and just open up web if you want so if something goes wrong your previous projects can't break because you've got the previous version oh, yeah. still installed if you want to do that yeah where davinci final cut as well probably it overwrites it you don't get the option yeah. to be able to have multiple versions oh yeah um, no you don't No, yeah i mean that's to my knowledge to the best of my knowledge that doesn't work yeah so that, that's yeah. why i won't use betas because they're they're potentially too yeah. buggy and i mean the thing is like too much I think... commercial stuff happening you know, for me, I think um, I'm, I'll totally be up for um, giving DaVinci a shot. Maybe that's, you know, we could make that a feature um, of an episode in the near future. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm sort of stuck with Final Cut is, uh, A, I know it really well, because I've been using it for at least, well, maybe at least eight years, something like that. You know, six, seven, eight years, something like that. Um, and also, <laughs> I've spent quite a lot of money on plugins. <laughs> Right. So I, 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 I do, I have a lot of thoughts on, on this type of thing and, mm. and coming from an audio engineer, <clears throat> excuse me, audio engineering background as well is this is the type of conversation that happens all the time. Should I move from Pro Tools to um, Logic to Studio One to Reaper to whatever it might be? Yeah. And the answer nine times out of 10 is no, mm. don't know what you know know it really, really well. And this yeah. goes, and this comes back to gear, unless it gets to a point where that piece of software can no longer keep up with what you need to be able to do within it. Yeah. That's the only reason to start considering moving away. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the only reason I'm considering uh, giving DaVinci a shot actually is, uh, it's really just from a collaborative point of view. Yeah. You know, that's it. Um, yeah. Because generally, again, for what I do, and you know, video editing really isn't um, anything I do in great depth or you know a, a great amount of. But the kind of stuff that I do, again, it's it's just you know, it's very much um, focused on social media use. You know, whether that's uh, you know, short elements sometimes that I edit for the podcast. You know, occasionally I do little things. Yeah. Um, but you know, predominantly, um, they would be things that are meant for stories, Instagram stories, or, um, you know, or social media videos or whatever, something like that. Mm, mm, um, mm. And, you know, for that final cut actually does a stellar job for that. And, you know, it's, it's like anything when you're really used to your software and you're really used to the way of working, it's just quick, you know, yeah. it's, it's quick. Um, and you know, I think much like many people, when you're confronted with uh, having to relearn things, you know, it's sort of, uh, <laughs> at, at, that's it. That's, this is it. And I, I don't want to change anything that's going to slow down what I, 
what I do, right? Unless there are massive gains for it. And for oh, me, yeah, there exactly. were massive gains from switching from Premiere to DaVinci. After I tried out the free version for a little bit on some, um, they were on client projects, but not the actual client projects. They were just using the footage from it to mess around with, yeah. try things out, try to do the same thing as I'd just done on that project to see how quickly I could do it, the way you'd go about it, if I could improve yeah. it, so yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I fell in love with it straight away. It was just, it made so much more sense to me. Yeah. I could do what I need to do. And, you know, at the same time, I started transitioning my audio software as well. Right. So rather than Studio One, which I've been using for years and years and years, I'm slowly, I'm still hybrid. I'm still using both for different reasons. Mm. I'm moving to something called Luna, which okay. is made by UAD, which make plugins because I, and the reason, there are a couple of reasons for it. One, I just moved to their UAD interfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and that's because my interface wouldn't work with the Apple M1 chips. Mm. Slate Digital, what the f- Anyway, I'm sure there's some very good technical reasons why. Anyway. Laziness. Um, so I, I need to buy a new festival. Right, I've wanted one of these for a long time. I'm going to get one. So I moved to a couple of those. And as part of that, you get their UAD soft, the Luna software is what it's called. And it is, it, it, it makes me feel more creative. Um, you know, it, it has all inbuilt plugins. I won't, this is all audio stuff. It's not, re- work is relevant. You're doing video work. You need to be able to do your audio work too. Because if you're doing video work and you're doing your audio within your video software, unless you're just doing a quick thing for social and stuff like that, fine. Fine. If you're not, and it's for a project, stop right now. Yeah. Go and do yeah. an audio software, get a couple of plugins that actually do the job well and stop yeah. taxing video software to do something that it's not supposed to really do very, very well. It focuses yeah. on video, not the audio. Anyway, my little rant over. Which incidentally is actually whenever I do anything, um, you know, on, on video, I usually send the audio to you to mm. mix it. <laughs> And you didn't send it back and I re-import it and then I've, you know, decently mixed software. And this is just a really good example. Um, I mean, in this particular instance, it doesn't really matter what system we're working on because I just export the audio straight out of Final Cut. Yeah, exactly. It, send it back, and, you know, it doesn't exactly. really matter. But, you know, again, like from a collaborative point of view. So the very, oh, let me just add on to the DaVinci collaborative bit. I think we may have mentioned it a couple of episodes ago that because they were making these new updates in um, Resolve 18, is that if you did have that, I don't know if there's a cost associated with this. No. I f- I'm not sure. There might be. But what we can do is if we've both got the same video files, raw, raw media, which is fine because we can just share that, no problem, yeah. and we then collaborate on a project, we can edit that project at the same time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. How cool yeah, yeah. So I can be going, you know what, I'm, I'm going to work on this timeline doing this section. You can be working on another timeline. This section is all within the same project, just done yeah. at the same time. Amazing. That's fantastic. Awesome. That's the future, man. You know, and the then what you could do, oh, then you can get three or four people doing that, right? If you've got a team and you could be doing, time, it does slightly depend on the project, but you can be doing, working on different timelines and doing different sections and mm. all export your timelines at the same time using right. all those computers to do that exporting. Oh, great. Yeah. It's <laughs> the way to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so all we need to do is oh, get a... And then <laughs> you can be using your MacBook, your Mac, iMac, 
and your MacBook to doing certain bits and it export on both for different timelines. And I feel we need, we need to get a, a couple of, uh, you know, Mac studios and uh, just do that way. <laughs> Could do. Yeah. I'm That's quite happy with my M1 Max right now. It's, uh, Oh, you know what? Uh, you know, um, I hate how so, used to it I am already, and I want it to be faster. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, I am super happy with uh, my iMac, which is the the last pre M series um, iMac. I'm super happy. Oh with yeah. That. Um, for for my twelve core, purposes. was it twelve core? Ten core Intel? 12, 16. Core. Um, sorry, I can't remember. Mm. I don't know. I don't know the specs. Don't ask for specs. <laughs> it's good though. It's, it's fast. It's shiny. Mm. That's right. Um, it, it's you know, <clears throat> I've been thinking about this the other day actually, and you know the studio, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Um, but you know, I only bought this thing, what like a year or so ago, year year and a half ago, um, and I'm going to ride this out for a little bit longer. And so then, you've got you have a question to ask yourself: is is it? better to jump on the M1 bandwagon now. Yes, it's going to cost, but you're going to get your maximum return sure. that you can possibly get on your existing iMac. You might yes. be able to sell that for 75% of what you bought it for. Correct. Now, maybe. Yeah. Um, just, it's a difficult one. Or you need to keep it for many years to come. So the thing that's uh, holding me back actually is simply the screen. I love the screen. I love the screen. Yeah. If there was uh, an M, it's five K, isn't it? Yeah. If if there wasn't, you know, an iMac, um, you know, with a five K screen and what is it, twenty seven inches or whatever it is, um, yeah. you know, of that size, then I would seriously consider it. I would actually no, I would totally consider it. Absolutely, one hundred percent. At the moment. I'm just, I'm loving the screen. That's, that's the thing. And, you know, I haven't really seen any, I haven't really seen any third party screen that I no, love and as not, much. And not 5K. Um, the only 5K screens that are really out there are the ones that are on the iMac, yeah. the studio display, which they just released Apple. Mm. And there might be one other. Yeah, that that's it. They're few yeah. and far between. Yeah, so you know, I'm I'm. It really, does make a difference. Oh, I'm really in love with that screen. I'm not. I mean, for editing for sure, but um, you know, a bit also for photo editing. And you know, the, the thing for me was um, at the time when I switched to the iMac, uh, the 27 inch iMac. It was you know for two reasons. One, uh, one is um, I just found that it's so much easier on my eyes. Now, and you know, it's actually I used to. Um, edit a lot on the, the MacBook Pro that I'm sitting at right now. And I can actually see it now just doing the Zoom call. Like my eyes are already feeling relatively tight and I don't, I just don't get yeah. that strained feeling when I'm looking at the, um, the iMac Pro. So it's really, you know, when I'm doing long edits, it's so much easier on my eyes. But the other thing also is, is um, that I, I just sit with better posture when I'm sitting at that screen. Yeah. So um, I yeah. don't get that you know, hunched back tower thing. And I know you could just lift your MacBook up, but no one does that. When you have a MacBook, you sit on the couch, do the editing. That's what you do. <laughs> so most people Hon do. Honestly, the, uh, I catch myself all the time. I'm at the sofa and my MacBook's on the arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I'm doing uh, it like absolutely. that. <laughs> Watching yeah, the know. TV at the same yeah. time. <laughs> and I know you, you can get yourself like a stand and all the rest of it, but then people just say, you know, I, I, I bet, I bet the vast majority of people don't actually do that. 
So, you know, then it's like a thing like, oh, you have an external screen and you pluck the thing, you know, you pluck your, um, your MacBook Pro in and then, you know, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. But at that point, it's like, well, what's the point? So, so for me, I've just, I've just found that um, it, it just makes my life easier and it's much, much more comfortable. Um, and actually, it's a beautiful screen. You know, the, like when I'm looking at the shot, at edited shots, they just look gorgeous on that screen and i just like looking at nice looking stuff <laughs> so yeah. you know and um and again you know with the, the current imac it being i can't remember is it 24 inch or 21 inch not sure but it's the smaller it screen it? it's mm. the smaller screen so they haven't really you know they haven't really come up with um come up with the, the 27 inch version of that they, they um, will soon i oh, think sure. they'll make it they might make it bigger i don't yeah, know yeah that's great that's even better you know and then then i'm literally in the market um but yeah, 20 24 inch yeah but for the time being i can see the uh the mac studio i've uh you know listened to a lot of people talk about that and um you know, get some first-hand experiences and it, that sounds really awesome. That might be an option, but you know, for now I'm good with, with that. And of course, ultimately you got to remember, you know, upgrading your system, um, it's, it's really only worth it if it actually adds anything or it gives you anything yes. extra. Um, and at the moment for the time being personally, I am absolutely happy with, the, the reality the reality for you you and and, you, and you're absolutely right you've got to think about you've got to think about what you actually use your machine for and think to the future a little bit too yeah. and the reality is is that 90 percent of the creative work that you do is photo related right oh absolutely 100 yeah more than that and guess what you have no issues editing whatever you want on that machine right as Absolutely. many raw photos yeah. as you want with as, 100%. as many layers as you want. No worries. Yeah, I could, I could double the megapixel count on my camera. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I will do it at some point. But yeah, absolutely no problem. And you know, and the thing is also, um, the MacBook Pro that I'm sitting on now, which is, a tw uh, I think it's 2012 MacBook Pro. So it's old, you know, see, 10, years, 10 years old, that thing. Um, it's, you know, I didn't throw it away. It was worth nothing. There was no point in selling it. Um, but and it is a glorified typewriter you know and what do i use it for now is if i want to grab my macbook and i want to go sit in a cafe and write a blog for example it's it's perfect to use for that or for instance like in this situation you know i've got to travel at short notice and do a zoom call <laughs> you know record a forecast you know it it does that trick as well um, I, I don't really do a lot of editing um, on it anymore. Although that being said, now that I'm here in Germany, I have some editing work to do. So I am going to do this. Um, but yeah, it's a major difference um, to you know what sort of what, what I've grown accustomed to now. Yeah. Um, but it still does the trick, you know. Yeah. It's I've I've still got a 2012 MacBook. Is that not five foot from me right now? Oh, yeah. And. That's there is a complete it's backup. Yeah. Something goes horribly wrong. I've got that. Actually, I've got a 2012 iMac. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Five and a half foot from me too. And I'm making <laughs> use of it again. Did I tell you? No. Yeah, yeah. I'm making use of it again. It's actually still damn fast. Yeah. It's a 
it's a bit clunky to use, but it's still really fast. I've actually taken to, um, you know, I'm uploading hundreds of gigabytes of data to the cloud every week. Right. Hundreds. And I don't want to do to this machine what I did to my last time, uh, MacBook. And that's, it needs to be on uploading every night. Mm. means it's plugged in constantly. Right. The odd time here and there, that causes no problems. But every night, mm. trust me, your battery's gone. It's yeah. just going to go. And I refuse to do that with, with this because I love this machine. Mm. Um, so now, under anything I need to upload, unless it's quick and I'm using my machine anyway, I'm sticking on an external drive, plugging it into the iMac and leave, just leave it running. Yeah. It's on main power. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, what struck me not two or three days ago was that's now permanently on. I never turn it off now. And the cost of energy prices here <laughs> has gone up 40% in the last like four weeks. So mm, might have to reconsider it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's a, that's a good question to ask. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, let us know, are you still using, you know, old computers to, uh, you know, do they still have a purpose or, or did you literally, you know, did you get done with it and get rid of all the old stuff and, and uh, buy an all new? That'd be really interesting to hear. Because I know, I mean, some people still use like super old, um, you know, iPods to play music through and stuff like that. Um, oh, did so you hear yeah, that they've, yeah. they've just discontinued them? I know, yeah, the, the, the Nano, isn't it? Oh, what was it? Yeah, whatever I, one they use, whatever they're using. But they I think, think it's probably all it, they're done. Yeah. Interesting yeah. thing, man. Interesting I've thing. still got, not the original generation, maybe third or fourth generation. I'm not sure what it was now, but I've still mm -hmm. got one of those. Yeah. Oh, get this, the iMac, right? The 2012 iMac. I've got a Windows keyboard, like normal external keyboard connected to it right now. And it doesn't work quite right with it. It just doesn't recognize certain things. So all I do is screen share through my MacBook and control right. it that way instead. It's just it's far simpler. Great. <laughs> all right. Okay. So um, this is where we're going to have to cut it short today. Um, of course, you know, we are in two different time zones as well. I'm technically, wait, I'm in the future as far as. Yeah, you as are. As time is concerned. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. So we're communicating not only through space, but also through time. <laughs> You're going to walk into a TARDIS in a minute. Woo! Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Nobody listening in North America will know what that even meant. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they get BBC out there. Do they know, who, do they know about Doctor Who? Because I never, I never knew what Doctor Who was. Not everyone would, but people who watch yeah. BBC will, will know Doctor Who. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I've never watched Doctor Who. To you either, but I, I don't know what TARDIS is. <laughs> yeah, so here's your here's your homework. You know, if you're listening to this, you know, go and find out what Doctor Who actually is. It's weird, trust me. Anyhow, yeah. so <laughs> that's it for this week. We've come to the end of uh, this week's podcast episode 106. Uh, we'll be back again next week, uh, possibly in this setup, um, hopefully in the same room. But you know, hard to tell at this point. I'm actually so. quite enjoying this setup. <laughs> it's, it's easy. Yeah. Easy. So much um, less to pack down. <laughs> oh, well, there it is. There it is. Cool. So remember, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, uh, just be reminded that there is a fully fledged uh, video version of it over on YouTube in full Technicolor. Um, and if you, you know, if you so desire, you can follow us on social media. You know, just head over to Instagram, uh, Camera Shake Podcast, and we're also on TikTok. 
Um, and of course, we have a brand new, brand spanking new Facebook group uh, on Facebook as well. Just again, search for Camera Shake Podcast Group or something like that. <laughs> we'll see you there. Anyway, that's it. Um, over and out for today. And we'll see you again next Thursday. See you later.